Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Church, one of the most intriguing things about always standing on this stage, man, is to see the beautiful faces, everybody looking good, dripped up from head to toe, right? But one of the most intriguing things for me to see is the many different generations that are in this building and also watching online that come together for one intent, right? And that's to worship God. That's so beautiful to me. But I pose a question to every generation that is represented in tonight, today. I pose a question. Were we able to choose the generation in which we were born in? And the answer would be what? No, right? We weren't able to choose the generation in which we were born in, because if we could, some of us would chose a different generation to be born in, right? But I was thinking about that word, choose. Church, one of the greatest and most highly esteemed gifts that God has ever given a human being is the freedom and the liberty to be able to choose. Choice is a gift, church. Now, some people may not value it as such, but that doesn't change the fact that choosing is a gift right? But even though choice is a gift, we still weren't able to choose the generation in which we live in. We weren't able to choose our skin color or our race. We weren't able to choose the parents in which we were born into. We weren't choose the family or the city, the state, the hospital in which we were born into. We weren't able to choose any of those things, right? But I think about this, this precious life that we live, church, If you think about that, this precious life that we live, for each and every one of us, it started with no choices, right? But as our time increased on this earth, and as our age increased, the responsibilities for our choices increased, right? So you say, JT, what you getting at with this? God gave me a revelation in my spirit, man, about choosing and about generations. And I want you to write this down. I hope y'all are ready to write, because I'm I'm, I'm, going to ask you to write all night, all right? But God gave me this revelation. He said, JT, you may not be able to choose the generation in which you were born in. He said, but my son, you can choose the generation in which you live in. He said, you may not be able to choose the generation in which you were born in. But he said, you can choose the generation in which you live in. See, we may be born in in so many different generations, but God says that he is requiring each and every one of us, church, to only live in one generation. And that generation is the generation that lives by faith in the faithful one. Amen? So God is requiring us to do that. The title of today's message is Faith in the Faithful One. I want us to turn our Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. And y'all know I'm an athlete, so I'm going to keep walking around this stage. Numbers chapter 13, verse 26 to 33, right? This is going to be our summertime story. Pastor Chris and Pastor T.O. lit up the stage, so I'm going to have to do the same thing today, man. But I want you to put a bookmark right there. Put a piece of paper, a pen right there, because we're going to get to that in a bit. But I want y'all to take a ride with your boy as we go through the Scriptures. And I'm going to give us puzzle pieces that's going to come together as a whole that's going to allow us to have a foundation when we walk into this passage. Amen? Y'all ready? First puzzle piece, Romans 1.17. Romans 1.17. And in Romans 1.17, 
the Bible says, for in it. Now, it is talking about the gospel of Christ from verse 16. So the Bible says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. From what? Faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. See, church, how y'all say it in Louisiana? I just made 32 years old a couple weeks ago, right? And I did the math for us. That's 11,680 plus days I have lived on this earth. And I thought about it. I've lived every one of those days. I haven't taken a break. I haven't taken a time out from living. Why? Because if I did, I wouldn't be standing right here in front of you bringing this word, right? And then all the rest of the days that God has for me to fulfill in my life, I'm going to have to live those as well, right? And the same for all of us. So what God is telling us is what? As long as we live, we must live by faith, church. That's what God is telling us, right? See, what this is telling us is that faith is a lifestyle. Faith is not just a denomination. Faith is not a group of pastors. Faith is not a movement that God did 20 years and then stopped. Faith is not some quick hint principles that we do to get a miracle. No, God is telling us faith is a lifestyle, church. And the reason why God emphasizes so much, because he put it in his Bible four or five times. Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith. Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11, the just shall live by faith. So if God telling us is something that we must live by, right, that means we need to have information on it, right, church? First puzzle piece, we must live by faith. Second one, 1 Timothy 6.12, write that down, 1 Timothy 6.12. 1 Timothy 6.12, the Bible tells us what? Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Now, I'm going to be real with y'all. I'm going to make a confession like Usher to y'all, church. <laughs> I don't like to fight. I don't like to physically fight. I don't like to knuck if you buck. I don't like to throw paws. I don't like to put hands on nobody. Whatever you want to say, I don't like it. But I tell the people this, don't try me now. <laughs> I said, hey, don't let this Psalm 20 on my license plate and this pastor stuff fool you. We from Fred Douglas, right, Whiskey? <laughs> we from the project. But even though I don't like to fight, right? See, we may have to fear God in this church, but we ain't scared, amen? But many of you guys may be like me. You don't like to physically fight either. And I thank God that he doesn't require us to physically fight, right? But this is one fight that God requires us to be in, church. It's to fight for our faith. And we know that when there's a fight going on, there's always an op, opposition and an enemy, right? And we know each and every one of us has one eternal enemy. And the enemy's mission is to steal, kill, and destroy our faith. See, what God wants is our faith to be in him. What the enemy wants is our faith to not be in God. So that's where the fight is. But I love that the author of 1 Timothy says this. He said, it's a what kind of fight? He said, it's a good fight. Well, JT, how is it a good fight fighting against the devil for your faith? It's a good fight, church, because it's a fixed fight. The fight is already won. Jesus Christ defeated Satan, right? 
Jesus said in this world, in John 16, 33, you're going to fight. You're going to have many troubles. He said, but take heart, my children. Why? Because I have already overcome the world. And even better than that, it gets better, right? In 1 John 4, 4, the Bible says that greater is he who is in you and me than he who is in this world. So God has given us the advantage in the fight. Amen? Whoo. First puzzle piece, live by faith. Second puzzle piece, right? There's a fight for our faith. Third puzzle piece, 1 John 5, 4. 1 John 5, 4. Why is the devil going so hard for our faith, church? I learned in 1 John 5, 4, it tells us why. It says why, Miss Geraldine? For whatever is born of God, what? Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our what, church? Our faith. So the reason why the devil is so afraid is that if the body of Christ come together and we live by faith and we fight the fight of faith and we come together on one accord in one spirit and we start to live by faith, church, the devil knows that we will be victorious against the darkness of this world. That's why he's going so hard for your faith. Amen? So we live by faith. There's a fight. And the reason there's a fight because our faith is victorious over this world. Fourth puzzle piece. Four. Number four. Hosea 4.6. Hosea 4.6. Y'all keeping up? We good? Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Church, when I look at that word destroyed, right, I always think that there was a battle. There was a fight, right? If I say the saints destroyed the cardinals, that means one side lost, right? And what God is saying in this battle, that his people lost, why? Because they lack knowledge. Because they lack some truth. And not just any knowledge, it's the truth of God's word, right? Church, in this faith fight, we have to get the knowledge of God's word. We have to. We have to, church. See, church, faith is based on knowledge. I always say faith begins where the will of God is known. Because you don't know what you don't know. And you can't have full persuasion in something that you don't know, right? That's why the word tells us in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing the word of God. See, that's why Pastor Mike and all our pastors get on this stage and speak the anointed word of God, right? So that the faith can stir up inside of each and every one of us and so we can leave this building and fight the good fight of faith. See, that's why Jesus told his disciples, take heed at what you hear. He said, be careful for the leaven, meaning the teaching of the Pharisees, the religious teachers, right? Why? Because Jesus knew God's system. He knew that whatever they had a chance to hear could bring some faith in their lives. And if they're hearing the wrong thing, they could have faith in the wrong thing. Amen? I always say this. Our mouths feed our bodies, but our ears feed our faith. So faith is based off knowledge, church. And the last puzzle piece before we get into the passage is this. The last puzzle piece. Numbers 23, 19. Mm. Numbers 23, 19. Numbers 23, 19 says this. God is not a man, so he does not lie. 
Y'all want me to unplug this headset right now and leave? Because we can stop the sermon right there, right? He says he's not a man. He does not. Nor is he human like us. He doesn't change his mind. He's never spoken and not act. He's never promised anything and not fulfilled the church. See, the reason why this verse is so important, because not only does it speak to God's word and that is final, but it speaks to one of the greatest attributes of God, his faithfulness, church. God is faithful, church. God is full of character and integrity. God is reliable. He is trustworthy. God is the truth. And I tell you this, God is the most predictable, unpredictable being ever. JT, you say God is predictable? Absolutely. His ways, his words, his character, his integrity, his nature never changes, church. That's why in Hebrews 13, 8, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know Jesus and, the, and, and God ain't put that in the Word of God to remind them of that. It would have been enough to remind us of that, right? But then God is so predictable, uh, he's so unpredictable because he's so vast in wisdom and understanding and knowledge that our brains and minds can't even fathom how to figure him out. So church, our faith must stand on two legs just like we do, just like these skinny pants I got, right? Our faith must stand on two legs. That's faith in God's word, but most importantly, faith in the faithfulness of God, amen? Now we can get into Numbers chapter 13. Turn it to your Bible, I'm going to give you a little pretext while you're turning to Numbers 13. Now the children of Israel, they had been delivered from Egypt, and now they're in the wilderness, and now God is about to give them the promised land of Canaan as he has promised to them and their fathers. And God says, look, this land is flowing with milk and honey, got some nice fruit in there. And so he told Moses, he said, Moses, send out these 12 leaders, these 12 spies to go check out the land, to see that it's flowing in milk and honey, and that it's fertile, and the fruit is great. So Moses got together, he called the 12 spies, sent them out on a 40-day spy mission, and they evaluated the land, and they came back and gave a report. And that's where we start in verse 26. The Bible says, now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our sight, and so we were in their sight. A good amen for the reading of God's word. Church. The Israelites, as 12 spies, came back from their 40-day spy mission. 
And they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation. And right off the bat, they told them, the land that y'all sent us to spy truly flows with milk and honey. And here go the fruit, right? The nice fruit that you can make some smoothies and acai bowls with, amen? Shout out ply bowls. But what they said in essence was this. Everything God said about the land was true. And they should have stopped right there, right? But instead, they went to start spilling off some things that God never said about the land, right? That the inhabitants are swallowed up by the land. That we've seen these great dudes with great stature, right? We've seen the giants of Anak, some Giannis Antetokounmpo's, Kevin Durant's, and Shaq's walking throughout the land, right? And they said, man, those dudes are stronger than we. We cannot possess the land. Church, God never said that. Actually, God said the opposite. God said you can possess the land. I want us to write down two words. Evaluate and calculate. Mm, I'm going to give a little, little lesson on this. Evaluate and calculate. See, church, what had happened was this. When they went on their 40-day spy mission, everything that they saw with their eyes, their minds start to evaluate it and calculate it. And they came up with their own conclusion. See, I want to give a little side note. Our minds were created by the Heavenly Father to evaluate and calculate when we see something with our eyes, right? So that's not wrong. I know a lot of times we feel guilty and condemned, right, when God may say something to us or we read something in God's Word, and then our minds start to evaluate and calculate what we see physically, and we draw up our own conclusion, and it may sound different than what God says in His Word. Church, that's not wrong. So don't feel guilty. But let me tell you where it's wrong. It's wrong when we draw up a conclusion in our mind and it's different than what God says in his word. And if we remain loyal to the conclusion that we drew up in our minds, that's when we're in a bad place, church. See, the, the, the children of Israel said, in order for us to get this land, we got to go through these giants. Can I make a suggestion for us, church? See, our giants won't be people. Our giants will be overcoming the conclusion in our minds when it's different than what God says. That's the biggest giant that we must face. See, the greatest example of this, I think, is, is in Abraham and Sarah, right? Abraham and Sarah. Now, we know Sarah and Abraham. They're in the faith hall of fame, right? Abraham was considered one of the fathers of faith. But we know Sarah for doing what in Genesis? Laughing, right? That's one of the things she known. God told Abraham, look, y'all going to have a baby. Sarah in the back of the tent laughing, right? God said, what you laughing at? She's like, I ain't laughing. He said, yeah, I heard you hee-hee and ha-ha-ing in the back. <laughs> but we know Sarah for laughing, right? But church, did you know that Abraham laughed as well? Genesis chapter 17 Verse 17, God had just told Abraham the first time, I'm going to change Sarah's name and I'm going to give you a child. And the Bible said, Abraham, bust out on the floor laughing, right? And he said in his heart, shall a man have a child at 100 years old? Shall Sarah be able to give birth at 90 years old? And then he said this, which is funny to me. He said, oh, Lord, let Ishmael live before you. And God said, Ishmael, 
I ain't talking about no Ishmael. God said, I'm talking about Sarah bearing a son, and you're going to name him Isaac. See, what was happening? God told him something, and his mind started to evaluate and calculate, and, and Abraham came up with his own conclusion. You're going to give me, you're talking about my, my child that I have from my side chick? That's what you're trying to say? And God said, no, I'm talking about Sarah at 90 years old birthing a child. So he came up with his own conclusion. But church, how does Abraham and Sarah go from laughing, right? How does Abraham go from laughing to the Bible says in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham was not weakened in his faith? He did not consider his body to be dead or Sarah's body to be dead, but he was strengthened in his faith. He did not stagger at the promises of God, but he gave glory to God, and he was fully persuaded that everything that God said in his word was true. And how did Sarah go from laughing to the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, that Sarah was strengthened in her faith to conceive a seed, and she bore a child. Why? Because she considered him faithful, church. So how did they go from laughing to being in the Faith Hall of Fame? Because they did not remain loyal to the conclusion that they made in their own minds, church. See, that's why 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, that's one of my favorite verses. That's why the Bible says we must do what? Cast down arguments. Every high thing, right, that exalts itself against the what? Knowledge of God. And then we must do what? Take captive every thought and place it underneath the obedience of Jesus Christ. See, that's why we have to know what it says in here, right? So we know that the conclusion that we have in our minds is different than what God says, right? So we have to understand that and know that. See, the enemy is just going to throw thoughts, suggestions, and ideas at your mind, right? That's what he's going to do. And what we have to do is, if it's different than what God says in his word, we got to cast it down like a prisoner at war, as the Bible says. Throw it down. See, that's what the devil did to Jesus in the wilderness, right? Through a thought at him. Turn this stone into the bread at little village, right? I mean, no, that's tempting, right? That's some good bread, ain't it? He said, turn this stone into the bread at little village, right? And you know what Jesus said? It is written. He had the knowledge of God's word. He said, it is written. What? Man don't live by the bread at little village alone, right? He said, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So church, if Jesus had to do it, we got to do it double, right? So we have to cast down those thoughts. See, let's go to Numbers 14, next chapter. Verse 6 through 8, it says, But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Church, Caleb and Joshua was on the same spy mission. How do they see something different? See, I'm willing to bet that when the other 10 spies was telling their story, man, them boys big, them boys strong, man. I bet Caleb and Joshua was like, man, yeah, them boys was kind of strong. 
Boy, it looked like they lived by 225 a couple times. And I bet they started to think and evaluate. But then I know a switch hit, right? I know they started to think, Pastor D.W., how God saved them from every plague in Egypt. And how when they walked through that Red Sea, not a drop got on the children of Israel. And when they looked back, every Egyptian was flushed in that Red Sea. And when they got into the wilderness, God provided every single need according to his riches and glory. And I bet the faith was being stirred up in them. And they stood up among the congregation. And they said, hold up. What y'all boys talking about? We can possess the land. Why? Not because we are strong, but because God is faithful, church. And, and, <laughs> and you would have thought that everybody would have been like, yeah, man, yeah, Caleb and Joshua is right. But the Bible says they picked up stones to throw at them to try to kill them. Church, Caleb and Joshua is on the same spy mission. How did they see differently than the other 10 spies? It's because the conclusion that they came up with in their minds, when it was different than what God said, they cast down their conclusion. And their faith stood on two legs. They had faith in what God had said. But most importantly, they had faith in the faithfulness of God to perform what he said. That goes back to the choosing of the generation, right? You know we were going to flip back to it, right? That lets us know, church, that believing is a choice. It's a choice that we have. Because how can 12 spies go on one mission, 10 see one thing, and 2 see the other? See, the other 10 spies, they never saw the promised land. Matter of fact, they were destroyed right after that. And God says, look, how many days y'all was uh, on that spy mission? 40? He said, okay, well, since y'all said y'all can't possess the land, well, how about 40 years in the wilderness? right and none of y'all will see the promised land because you said you, you, you can't possess it right but Caleb and Joshua said what we can possess it so they chose to live in the generation that had faith in the faithful one church so believing is a choice See, church, let's wrap it all together with that puzzle piece. See, the children of Israel, they were called to live by faith. But there was a fight for their faith, right? Because of what they had saw with their physical eyes. See, they didn't know that their faith was going to be able to allow them to take the promised land. But the only difference is they had the knowledge of God's word. He told them, it's already yours. But the ten spies didn't have faith in God's faithfulness. But Caleb and Joshua said, I may not understand it. I may not know what's going on. My mind may evaluate and calculate something. But I'm going to believe what God says regardless. Even Moses didn't see the promised land. 
right? But Caleb and Joshua did. But let me give y'all a point, real 30 seconds, 30 seconds, church. I, it just hit me. Caleb and Joshua still lost 40 years of their life in the wilderness. What I want to tell my young people, everybody listening. Now, we call to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, right? To go seek and save those which is lost. But when it comes to our intimate relationships, we have to be careful with who we with, right? 2 Corinthians 6, 14, the Bible says, be not unequally yoked with non-believers. And I know a lot of times we like to consider those people who don't believe in God. But when you think about this story, those were 12 leaders. Those were 10 leaders who went and spread that, right? So we have to make sure. See, in this case, majority rule church, but majority was not right. And even go a little bit further. Now, you may be outnumbered, but when you choose God, you are the majority. Amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.